This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve Shabbos. So much going on, Baruch Hashem. And Shabbos is coming in earlier and earlier. How about 5.06 tonight? But as you know, when the days are getting shorter, soon they will become longer. But whatever Hashem gives us in life is part of what we need to do now on our journey. Nothing ever stays the same. Everything changes. And the Parsha that we have the privilege of reading this week, the Ha'aloischa, has so many wonderful parts to it. It begins with a beautiful, beautiful instruction. It begins with Aaron being told how to light the candelabrum, the menorah, in the Mishkan, in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle. The menorah. Let's talk about that menorah for a moment. It plays a prominent role in the Torah and in tradition. Menorah. We're going to light Shabbos candles. It's not the whole menorah. Hanukkah, we have a menorah. But in this week's portion, the Torah reading, it begins with a statement that Aaron, Aaron, must light the menorah, but the words used are Baha'a when you will raise the flames. And it's singled out here from all the other services in the temple. Because in truth, lighting candles, kindling flames, flames of the menorah actually encapsulates what our lives are all about. We, each one of us, is a light. Each one of us has a different approach, perhaps, for there were seven branches to the menorah, but we need to illuminate our surroundings. That's us. That's why we're here. Each one of us has to be this walking menorah. We've got to illuminate. We've got to warm everyone and everything that we meet or encounter. The world can be a cold, dark, lonely place. Many people are confused. Many people feel alone. This is a spiritual world, but it's so hard sometimes to find the road the journey, the path to truth. Our souls come down into this world and they wander the earth, searching for their destiny, searching for peace. The menorah teaches us that every single time you meet someone, every single encounter with anything or anyone is an opportunity to bring light, to bring warmth to other people and to ourselves. As the Lubavitcher Rebbe, some 47 years ago, blessed my husband and myself when we asked him for a blessing to have a warm home. He said, see to make it warm for others, and it will automatically be warm for you. You want to feel happy? Understand that you are a light. Bring 
light optimism into a conversation. Even if someone brings you down, God forbid, put a smile on your face to put someone else's smile on his and let that smile be carried on. Each one of us is pivotal in changing the entire world. Every interaction on our journey in life offers us a choice, a choice to illuminate, to uplift, to actually share something which is free, your smile, your warmth, your interest. Hmm. Very special Parsha, a Parsha about bringing light in the journey of life. We'll be right back after this. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve Shabbos on Mashi Lipsker. And we're talking about the journey of life and bringing light to our surroundings. But there was a special way that Aaron had to light that menorah, that the high priest had to kindle those flames on that candelabrum. The flames had to rise on their own. He had to hold the flame there long enough for the flame to be burning brightly on its own. It's not enough to just smile here and there at someone. It's not enough just to kindle a flame. We have to ensure that the flame has the power to continue burning and to burn on its own. You know, we are quite powerful. We may not feel it, but the Torah is telling us that we can access our inner power. You see, when you have a dictator or you have an autocrat, you have a big bossy boss. They seem to wield great power, but you know how long their control lasts? Only as long as their presence lasts. When they're there, or they have some sort of power over you. But if you want to see real power, think about a teacher who actually, in a subtle way, nurtures, suggests, doesn't command or demand. That teacher will not continue to instruct the child for the rest of his life. If the teacher says, okay, you've got a test on this, you better sit straight, you better this, you better that. So while the teacher's in the classroom and the child may or may not want to obey or get a good mark, that's what happens. But a person who teaches by osmosis, by inspiration, by example, rather than by fear and intimidation, that teacher encourages you and teaches you to access your own inner strength, to rise on your own like a flame, to shine with your own brilliance, not just as an extension of his brilliance or attached to him. And the influence of such a teacher will last forever because it's not about his presence, his being there, but it's about his power to perpetuate, to inspire, to uplift. And the flame can then continue to burn long after the child has gone to the next class and the next class, long after the child has left school. 
positive influence, doesn't talk loud, doesn't make requests and requirements. It nurtures. It allows the inner self to find expression. And of course, many of us know and remember an inspiring teacher who said one thing that we take with us for the rest of our lives. It's an amazing thing to know that just by the way we walk, speak, dress, conduct our lives, we are teachers. Just by the way we uphold a value system, we are teachers. But we are teachers who send out the message, yes, you can, you can rise on your own. You can shine on your own. And what's most important is to see that in the parsha, each one of the flames, the seven flames of the candelabrum, had to be lit until it could shine on its own, for we are a menorah. We are a light that has to affect our surroundings. And then we come to a very interesting part of the parsha. We have an interesting story that tells us it's never too late. You know, sometimes we come late. Sometimes we miss the appointment. Sometimes we miss the boat. Sometimes we miss the plane. But our lives are not over. We always have a second chance. In the Parsha this week, there were people who were not able to bring the Paschal, the Passover sacrifice, at the right time. And there demand or their cry echoes throughout the generations. They said, Lomo nigora, why should we be left out? Why are we deprived? And they persisted. They had an outcry. And a new mitzvah came into being because of them. And the mitzvah was that Hashem said that even those who were, quote, far away or impure during Pesach, now have a second opportunity to bring the offering to celebrate Pesach. Persistence. It's a rare virtue. So many of us just want to be comfortable. We get complacent. We have to be persistent. When we want something, when we believe in something, we have to push ourselves. Sometimes we dream and then we think, I was late, I missed the boat, I didn't get in. Oi. We have to not give up. Even when other people say, ach, you'll never do it, what are you trying to do? In just two weeks' time will be the Yorzeit of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Previous Rebbe, his father-in-law, came to America in 1940. They said to him, Rebbe, retire. You've suffered enough. You've achieved enough in Russia, in Riga, in Poland, what you've only gone through. Retire. You'll study the Torah. We'll take you to a place called Lakewood by the lake. You deserve it. He said, no. On the day he arrived, he said, we're opening a yeshiva 
They said, Rebbe, you don't understand. America is different. America is Anders. And the Rebbe looked at them and he said, America is nit Anders. It is no different. And we're starting the yeshiva today. And then a year and a bit later, his son-in-law, our Rebbe, arrived. And we know what has happened since then. Judaism has changed. Yiddishkeit, when my husband and I came to this country 46 years ago, was not popular. Zionism was popular. And the Jewish community was and still is strong. But to actually eat kosher, bar mitzvahs and weddings were not by and large kosher. To actually not work on Shabbos, it didn't seem like an option if you want to get ahead in life. To wear modest clothing was like a shaitel. You're going to cover your hair? Are we going back into the dark ages? Your, your son wants to become more observant? Oh, no. The mother would come and cry, discourage him. He'll have a disaster of a life. He needs to get a career, and he needs to be able to provide and to do and so on, and that doesn't go hand in hand with living a proper Jewish life. Things have changed because our Rebbe persisted. When nobody else believed that it could happen, he sent his emissaries around the world. There was a powerful engine. In the beginning, it seemed like, how would the tide turn? So many people discouraged him, tried, looked askance, couldn't believe. But we want to change the world. We want to illuminate our lives and the lives of those around us. And when we set out to do it, so many people will tell you why it cannot work. But when we are persistent, when our neshama, our soul, is nurtured, when our soul says, yes, I can, I may be human, I may be vulnerable, I may have all kinds of challenges, but I will warm people wherever I go. I will illuminate my surroundings wherever I go. I will never, never give up. And the truth is, if you believe in it, everything is possible. So the question is, nurturing our faith. How do we believe? And of course, there's a simple answer. And that is the study of God's wisdom, God's Torah, which just two weeks ago, we received at Sinai all over again. And we're still in the month of the giving of the Torah. And we're still in the afterglow of that wonderful experience. And so we're going to speak about journeying. The book that we're in, the Sefer, the Chumash that we're reading is Bamidbar. And it's about the journeys. How did the Jewish people travel in the desert? The parsha that begins with illumination speaks about that the people traveled by the word of God. They journeyed by the word of God. They encamped by the word of God. It's a metaphor for our lives as well. 
all of our journeys and all of our encampments, like all of the detours, all of the stops, all of the red lights, all of the stop signs. This is God's plan, because obviously in the place that he takes us, there is illumination that we have to enact. When they traveled in the desert, God's presence was clearly seen. When they had to camp, so interestingly, the cloud, when they were encamped, was spread over the tabernacle. That was the configuration. At night, it became a fire. What would happen when it was time to camp? Hashem made something interesting happen. What did he do? He actually took that cloud and the cloud moved and it actually covered the tribe of Judah. Tribe of Judah was the first tribe to travel. When the priests saw that, they would blow the trumpets to notify the people, pack up. It is time to move. And then Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader, would say, and it's in the Parsha this week, please keep the people safe. Kumo Hashem, v'yafutsu oivecha, v'yanusu mesanecha miponecha. He would invoke God's blessing for protection. And then what would happen? Everybody's packed, ready to go. The cloud would now become a pillar. And it would lead the way to the next stop. And the nation would follow. And then, when they would get to the place that God wanted them to encamp, the cloud, which was a pillar, now became like a house, like a sukkah, like a dwelling. And it transformed into that shape again over the tribe of Yehuda. And the Jews then set up their tents. And then Moshe would say, Shuva Hashem, Riva voice, Alfei Yisroel. He would say, Come and rest Hashem amongst the myriads of the thousands of Israel. And when he would say that, the cloud would go back and rest over the Mishkan, over the tabernacle. It was amazing. According to the word of God, did they travel? And according to the word of God, would they camp? And we know that the word of God from the beginning of creation is something which brings something into being. God said, let there be light. God said, sometimes we don't hear it, but something happens in our lives or in the world. God is talking. God is changing events. God is putting roadblocks, detours, or he's putting big, wide-open highways in front of us. But we journey and we encamp by the word of God. Sometimes the Jewish people would stay in one place for a long time, even many years, once as many as 19 years of the 38-plus years that they journeyed on their 42 journeys. 
And would you imagine that other times they would stay for only one day? They went when God wanted them to go. Life is directed by Hashem. We may think, we may plan, but we will travel and we will camp according to Hashem. As individuals, as a nation, the patriarch Abraham began the journey of the Jewish people. And there in the desert, their purpose was to get to the promised land. And we too, we too, the world is on its way ultimately, may it happen very soon, to a beautiful promised land to the time of the future when the Mashiach will be here. Interesting point. Every time they traveled, the entire Mishkan had to be dismantled. In the tribe of Levi, there were three families about whom we've read last week and the week before. The family of Kahos, Gershain, and Merori. And they carried the tabernacle. When... The journey had to start. They would be instructed to go in and to begin to carry their particular parts. First, the Kohanim would cover the holy furniture. Then the tribe of Kahos would go in, and this was carried by shoulder. They carried the show table. They carried the brilliant menorah, the golden altar, the altar of copper, etc. And after they had taken all these things out, the family of Gershon had to carry the tapestries, the partitions and the curtains, the heaviest things, the beams, the bars, the pillars, the sockets, were removed by the family of Merori and put into wagons. Our lives are full of journeys. Let's talk a little more about that after this. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. On this Erev Shabbos, Parshas B'Shalach. Sorry, oh, listen to me. B'Ha'aloyscha. We are talking about illuminating our surroundings on the journeys of life. And that it is Hashem, it is God, according to whom we travel. Alpi Hashem Yisau, according to God's word, they traveled. Ve'alpi Hashem Yachanu, and it was God who decided where they would encamp. Sometimes they would stay there for one day. So short. And the Rebbe asked the question, to dismantle and reassemble the Mishkan took hundreds of man-hours to take it down and to put it up. What was the use? Hashem knew that they would only be staying there overnight. It was going to be dismantled the next day. What was the use? So much labor involved. Because really, if the cloud would only stay there for a few days or one day, as it says, sometimes the cloud remained from night until morning. And when the cloud rose in the morning, they traveled. And we need to ask the question, can we put in 
so much effort into something which seems to be so temporary. But we need to know that every journey and every stop then and in our lives is not considered temporary. There's nothing that we do in this world that does not remain. Every encampment was not considered just a transition because it came from Hashem. There was a direct command to camp at that point, at that time. And therefore, that place became a full stop, a permanent settlement. And everything had to be done. We had to give our all, even for that short time. People sometimes feel, what is the use of putting so much time and effort into life, into spiritual life? Sometimes people say, life is so short. Let's just eat, drink, be merry. Nothing's really permanent. Nothing lasts. Why should we try so hard to refine ourselves? Why should we try so hard to do a mitzvah, to help someone else? And some people say, you know what? The Mashiach is coming. How can I live so much in the world? You know, must I really go to work and earn a living and build a house? I mean, Mashiach's coming. Everything's going to get sorted out. If we believe Mashiach is coming, people say, how can I even be excited about the terrible state that the world's in now or try and help uplift anyone? Generally, there's some people who say, I'm going to put my head in the sand because where I am now is just terrible. And the truth is, it's true. We live with the absolute faith that the Mashiach can come at any moment. But the mitzvah for now is to go about our daily lives fully present, fully committed, building, illuminating our surroundings, because we are following the word of Hashem. We are journeying according to Hashem. At every moment, every moment is precious. We need to look at our lives no matter where we are, say hi to our friends in Sandringham Gardens, in our parents' home. And we need to say, what I am doing now has the greatest importance. We need to do it with enthusiasm, with positivity, with hope and with passion. We need to pay attention to the details. We need to remember, every day is a second chance. What an amazing lesson as we travel through life, as we travel and we encamp and we think we're stuck in a place and we think, what's the use? We need to remember there's no such thing as too late. This moment and today is the beginning of the rest of our lives. Whether it's the journey of marriage, give it your all. Whether it's the journey of friendship, give it your all. You might say, what's the use? My spouse is so flawed. 
Let me just take a deep breath and ignore. The Parsha this week tells us the journey of parenting. Give it your all. Raising those children. They need to see that we understand that we journey and we encamp by the word of God. This has been the history of the Jewish people, the history of our nation. And you know, the journey in the desert, they went around in circles until Hashem said, it's enough. And he took us into the land. It's not simple to feel Hashem on that kind of journey. Very often, it's easy to feel confused and alone, abandoned, rather than feeling like the chosen nation, traveling according to God's will and to fulfill his mission. The Jewish nation has had a journey of exile. But we need to remember that it's Hashem leading us. As we say in the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. When shall you love the God? <laughs> when shall you love your God? When you live in your home, and when you journey on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Life is never the same. It's a series of changes. But when we remember that all of that is directed by Hashem for our benefit and that our job is to bring illumination, we are a candle of God. And wherever we are, we've been brought there by Hashem to bring light to someone else, to illuminate, to uplift somebody else. He is with us. He makes the plan. When we were in Egypt, he appeared to us. And he called to us. And we responded. And King Solomon says, Hashem appeared to us and he drew us out of Egypt. That was the beginning. Our response was, we will run after you. We will put our passion into connecting with you and making this world a dwelling place the way you wanted it. King Solomon says, God took us out of Egypt and we responded by saying, yes, we want this relationship. And at Sinai, he brought us into his inner chamber, shared his vision with us, gave us the general directions and specific directions that we were to follow in order to make his dream a reality. And there is joy. On a daily basis, there is privilege. We're in an incredible time now, after Sinai, as we can walk forward, imbued with the privilege of being able to bring the message of Sinai to the world. God's values... God's plan, God's optimism to care about each other, 
to care about others, and to really, really be filled with joy and to be able to give. Because when you're filled with joy, you can absolutely beam that joy to someone else. It's an amazing parsha. And on the journey, there was a very interesting configuration. We had mentioned that there was the tribe of Judah that went first. We had mentioned that the Levites had to enter the tabernacle and each one take the parts of the tabernacle that were assigned to them. And again, they journeyed in a particular place so that by the time they would come to the next stop, the tribes that were carrying the beams and the boards and the curtains and the overlays had set up the structure. And then came those who carried the furniture, those who carried the altar and the menorah to put it in. Everything designed by Hashem, and it made so much sense. The last tribe to travel was a tribe called Dan. And what was done? Dan was called Me'asef Lechol Hamachanot. He was the one who took up the rear. He was the one who followed at the back. It was a very big tribe. And the tribe of Dan did an amazing thing. Our sages tell us that anyone who had lost something, the tribe of Dan returned it to them. They were the ones who picked up all the lost property. They were the ones who had this major mitzvah of returning lost objects that the other tribes might have dropped. The message to us is we're at the end of exile now. The journey of exile has taken us everywhere in the world. The message is we're still here. Be a done. To be last, you have to be humble. To pick things up for someone else, you have to be humble. But let me leave you with this message. Every Jewish person received the Torah at Sinai. Every human being has the right to dignity. Let us be a done. Let us return to others what is rightfully theirs. We each have spiritual wealth. Every Jew is an heir to the entire Torah. It's never too late. The second Pesach tells us that. Never, ever too late. Let each one of us rise to the occasion, realize we are at the end of the big journey of exile. Let's return to others a feeling of warmth, illumination, a smile and upliftment. Let's give them back what's actually theirs. Share a mitzvah, share a smile, and may we soon celebrate the ultimate day of illumination, the day of Mashiach. May it happen soon. Good Shabbos.